there any hope for us? Could you ever get us a job, you think? Are we beyond hope? I like to say there's never anything impossible. So oh. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is the nicest feedback we've gotten in a long time. Thank you, Stephanie. The bar is very low. <laughs> Sounds like she might be able to help us. Maybe. <laughs> Welcome into the Free Retiree Show, your go-to podcast to navigate your career, manage your finances, avoid the big mistakes in both, and where we learn from folks who have done amazing things. I'm your host, Wealth Manager, Lee Michael Murphy, and I'm alongside interview coach and Silicon Valley vet, Sergio Patterson. What is up, everyone? That was a good intro, Lee. I like it. Now, working on getting that pronunciation of your name right. So I got it on that one. And attorney Matt McElroy is off today. He just had a baby number two. So shout out to Maddie and the family. We'll try to get by on this episode without him. But yeah, baby number two. Sir, do you think he can handle it just as good as he handled baby number one? No comment. But it's good. Shout out to Matt. Both children are doomed. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know they had the baby. That's awesome. It's tough. I've got two kids, so... You'll figure it out. You just figure it out like everything else in life. They're Matt's children, so they're going to be, it's going to be tough, but we'll pray for those kids. Congratulations, Matt. Welcome into a career advancement edition of the Free Retiree Show. If you've listened to our show before in the past, one of the major pillars of our show is helping people advance in their career. Labor and workplace experts have predicted a post-pandemic resignation boom. New data that's coming out is showing that the impending great resignation is alive and well, and it's happening sooner than we all originally thought. Over the past few months, resignation rates have been increasing, and people are looking for new jobs to fit their new post-pandemic lifestyle. People are looking for different things, and some people, they just want a new change of scenery. They want something new in their career, which means it's a very competitive job environment. So, Serge, what are you seeing right now in the job environment? Would you echo the thoughts that I just said, that it is competitive? Oh, yeah, 100%. It's not only competitive, but also companies are hiring like crazy right now because of everything that's going on. So it's one, it's like companies are hiring a lot, but then two, there's a ton of people in the, the job market. So it's, it's crazy out there. Absolutely. So we're going to be talking about how do you make your resume and your interview memorable? And to help navigate that discussion, we have Stephanie Nuesi. She's the CEO of MaxUp. And MaxUp is a career consulting firm. And their content has reached over 15 million views worldwide. Uh, Stephanie herself has done workshops in seven different countries, put on over 100 different workshops. She's worked with companies like Wiley, AICPA, UBS, and many other great companies. And she's kind of a go-to expert in this space, like becoming memorable. And uh, Serge, we were talking about this before, but you know, the importance of being memorable in an interview, where do you think that ranks and why is it important? I mean, you and I have talked about this before, but I think it's probably the most important part of the interview is really setting yourself apart from the pack. So really connecting with everyone you're interviewing with and really just standing out. So I think making your interview memorable so they actually remember who you are and not just, you're not just number one, two, or three. They actually remembered talking to Sergio about him playing soccer growing up or him loving hip hop music or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think it's so important to make it um, stand out, make yourself stand out. 
Absolutely. And I was looking to bring on a hire and I interviewed about 12 different people and it was over the span of about three weeks. So there was some time that went by, but then I was trying to think on the fly. I was like, all right, who did I interview? And I had notes on every single one and I could only think of three of them at the top of my head. (laughs) And maybe that just makes me a bad interviewer. This is probably true. That more than likely it, but it, they didn't stand out to me. There was, out of the twelve, there was three like that I could that I could recall off the top of my head, and I had to go back to my notes and really figure it out. And the ones that I recalled, they had cool things. They had cool backstories. They had worked for an airline. Someone was into ships, and you know certain things about them that just really stood out to me. So that's what this episode is all about. How are you going to make that interview, that resume, stand out? Because you got a lot of people you're competing against. What are you going to do differently? So we're going to take a quick break, but before we do so, make sure you smash that like button, share the free retiree show. We would love to be introduced to your friends. And if you have a question, financial related, career related, or even a question for Stephanie, make sure you send them to ask at the free We're going to take a quick break, but when we're back, we're going to be sitting down with Stephanie Nuesi. Welcome back into the Free Retiree Show. We're sitting down with Stephanie Nuesi. Stephanie, how are you doing? I'm doing amazing. I'm ready to get people some jobs and also help people maximize their careers. So thank you so much for having me here. You know, that's what I've heard. That's what you do. But now after listening to Sergio and I, is there any hope for us? Could you ever get us a job, you think? Are we beyond hope? I like to say there's never anything impossible. So oh. <laughs> that, that is the nicest feedback we've gotten in a long time. Thank you, Stephanie. The bar is very low. It sounds like she might be able to help us. Maybe <laughs> with some very special <laughs> training, maybe she could help us. But Steph, why don't you give the listeners a little bit of a background on what you do as the CEO of MaxUp and what you guys specialize in? Of course. So I am a career coach and I help job seekers who want to maximize their careers, anything from mock interviews, LinkedIn profile reviews, resume optimization, and the list goes on. But I, we do look over what career coaching is and we focus on how can people stand out in any every part of the process. And that goes from the application itself to interviewing to what happens when you get the offer, how do you negotiate salary and so on and so forth. So I've been doing this for two and a half years now. And I think that it was missing. But last year, LinkedIn saw a massive amount of people around 50 million users join LinkedIn and people who were not active on LinkedIn joined the platform. And you will be surprised how many job seekers were looking for jobs, but then how many little amount of career coaches and companies were offering that guidance. And so you, that, that goes to show that there was a lot of demand, but not really that much of supply. And so mm-hmm. I was glad that I was there to help as many job seekers as possible. My question was going to be like, how did you, when was the moment that you figured out this is something you wanted to do? And it sounds like 
you saw an opportunity or did this happen before the pandemic or was it you just, it happened, right? You saw the opportunity and you went for it or has this been building? Interestingly enough, we actually started in 2019. So way before the pandemic happened, no one knew that this was going to happen. But I do like to say, if you follow the signs, you never know what's going to happen. So I'm glad that I actually started before the pandemic because I already had a platform that was built. I already had the resources and I had the website and I have the people and in this place where job seekers could come and ask advice to people who are actually working at the companies. We, even before the pandemic started, we were doing monthly workshops with you know people working at big tech companies, big consulting firms, accounting firms, just to kind of get people jobs by telling them what they did to get the job. What a better way to get the, the knowledge from. And so I feel like the fact that we were there before the pandemic happened kind of gave us a little bit of, of a platform to provide to people right when they needed it. So, Stephanie, as we progress in this interview, we're going to ask you about what makes a resume stand out. How do you make it memorable? Same thing with your interview. But where do you think people are missing the mark when you know your average person applies for the job, they submit it online, they're lucky enough to maybe be memorable enough or stand out enough with the application process, but then getting into the interview, like where do people kind of miss the mark in your experience of being memorable and standing out? Great question. I think like it really has to do with the industry. So let me start by saying that some industries require some sort of technical skills compared to other industries. And so the thing is that not everyone has those technical skills, right? So if you go for a software engineer or for a data analyst for a product management role, you will be required those technical skills. And a lot of the times, half of the people that are applying for those roles are people who are pivoting. So people who are coming from marketing, mm. from sales, from all type of backgrounds going into it. And then the problem is that they're competing against people who had the degrees, people who have studied this for years, people who have the technical skills. So so that's a very little basic one that literally stop people from getting that push for the next round. Now, let's say you have a great resume, you pass the round and you go into an interview. Confidence is not there. People are not confident enough. I can tell you, I've spoken with so many job seekers. And one of the first things I hear is, I don't think I can do it. I don't think I'm good enough. And that right there, it's literally part of the foundation of the problem of not being memorable. If you come into an interview, even if it's just a fun screen with a recruiter, and you don't really talk about how you add value to the organization, literally your candidacy drops from here low down to the floor. Because the thing is that if you don't, if you don't believe you can do the job, how can you expect a recruiter or hiring manager to believe you can do it? What confidence are you giving them to ensure that you can do the job? And so if you don't have that confidence built up, it's going, it's going, it's going to you know, be very hard for you to get the job. And then the other problem is that a lot of people face a lot of rejections and that kind of lowers down their confidence. They get yeah. in the recent business because they don't know how to really showcase their experiences or kind of sell their experiences to those roles. And then they get rejected. That right there drops down their confidence. So when they do get an opportunity for an interview, the confidence is not there anymore. And then they get rejected again. And it becomes a cycle. It's, I like to call it the rejection cycle. On and on and on. And people, it's very hard to get out of that cycle if you don't really sit down and change strategies. So that's why I always teach people like, I will say you're not a three. You can change strategies. You can change the way you portray yourself and the way you apply. And so 
that's, I would say those three themes, again, going back to it, it's people who are not, you know, confident enough on themselves mm -hmm. when they apply. Second, mm -hmm. the people who don't have all the necessary skills, but also don't do what they have to do to develop those skills. And three, the rejection cycle when people don't seem to change strategies to really go out of that cycle. Absolutely. Love it. Yeah. I know Serge has talked about this before and he's always said, yeah, it's hard to help people when they're like in a rut and like their confidence is down. And then once their confidence is down, it's like they're striking out interview after interview because they yeah. have this, they have this Igor or you know, Igor, you guys familiar with Igor, right? Winnie the Pooh, right? Igor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like dark, right? It's just yeah. like dark, like gray. Mm, like, it's all kind yeah. of gloomy yeah. and it just doesn't vibe with people. And that's really common. But I'll add something to that and ask you a question, Steph. Uh, I think a lot of people from what I've heard, like they don't want to appear too confident. Right. And so that's part of the problem, right? People don't want to appear like Conor McGregor strutting around, beating their chest. Like I did this. You guys would be grateful if I worked at your company, probably not a great strategy, but like, how do we find that balance? You know what I mean? And I think, I mean, myself, I've been in interviews before and I struggle with the, trying to they try to be humble, humble pie, but then, you know, also don't, you know, you know, you got to sell yourself too. Right. So what's your thoughts on that? That's a very good question. And before I even answer that, I'll tell you that a lot of the times that comes back from people's backgrounds and identity. So mm -hmm. I come from a non-traditional background, right? I grew up in a different country and I was taught to always be humble, don't brag about anything you do, don't brag about your accomplishments. And so when you walk with that mentality into an interview, the thing is that you're not really going to do as well because you're not really talking about all the things you did, or at least you're trying not to because you're trying not to be bragging about what you do. And so it's it really, it's hard for many people, especially if you come from those backgrounds. So Finding the, the right spot, the sweet spot between overconfidence and, and being humble, it's really hard. And I think it's just something that's personal. It's something that is come from self-awareness. So what do I mean by self-awareness? When I was doing mock interviews with people, me doing it to them and they doing mock interviews for me, I remember I used to ask, how was my tone of voice? And people don't really ask that question, but I wanted that feedback. And then they're like, why would you want to know what you're how your tone of voice sounded. And I said, I want to know whether if you were to be the interviewer and do I sound cocky to you? Do you think I should talk slower? Do you think I should talk faster? Do you think in my posture, like all of those things have a lot to do with how you portray yourself when it comes to confidence. And I remember my, one of my first mock interviews, the person who did that mock interview for me told me, you're way too cocky. You're overconfident. Like, what's going on? You're I got this. That's what's going on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they were like, oh, you're um, sure you did all these great accomplishments. So what? Like, how does that help me? When that person asked me that question, I felt a little hurt. I'm not going to lie. I, I said, wow, that, that's true. I, I come from this background, but I need to be humble. And then someone's telling me that I have, I'm telling all these accomplishments. And it's just like, it sounds overconfident. So, so, so what's the sweet spot? So I said, I'm telling all these accomplishments and it's just like, it sounds overconfident. So, so, so what's the sweet spot? So I said, make those accomplishments make sense to the interviewer and the company. So what do I mean by that? If you like had 10 internships, let me talk about like, a, let me give you an example. You're like, say you're a recent grad. You have 10 internships at great companies. You 
need to leverage that as how what you did at those companies makes sense to the person you're interviewing with, to the company you're interviewing for, not necessarily the name of the company, not necessarily the fact that you had 10 internships, it's really what you did. And so if you make it in a way that what you did, it's great, but it's really how that adds value to the company, the whole overconfidence and you're bragging about accomplishments really doesn't matter because what you're doing there is just showing them how whatever you did in the past adds value. Like say, when I say, when I talk about when I give the, there's this common interview question that says, tell me what, what is your biggest accomplishment? That's, that's, a, that's a really tough question because then you think of all the things you have, you know, the accomplishments you have and, 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 and all the things you have to add. But then you need to think about which one of the things I did makes more sense for this company. How does this add value to them? Why would they even care? That's the question. Why would they even care about what you're telling them? That's really just that's really just it. So I said, okay, so I work at this company. I did one project and I learned three software. There's three software now I can use to do X, Y, C projects, whatever that I could maybe utilize if I were to work at your company. And this is just a really quick example of how to really showcase those accomplishments without necessarily just saying, hey, I'm you just hire me. It's just no, I have this, but then here's how that helps you as a company. So I, I got to pause here. So I think we've talked to a number of career coaches and like I've listened to some and I, you're pretty legit. I think like you're authentic. I had, I've, I've been thinking, I was like, she knows her stuff. So I want to call this out because I think like you're spot on with the confidence, rejection and this humble thing. It really is about your background because for me, I'm like, relatively introverted right and what i've seen though is like you can be you can only be humble so much though so you have to kind of throw that out the door Mm -hmm. especially in big tech Mm -hmm. if you're trying to work at google all these companies the ones that are rising are the people that are able to self-promote very well and you can do that in a way that's not arrogant Mm -hmm. so one i just wanted to call out you're doing a great job Keep it up. I agree with you 100%. But two, I think like for the listeners out there who are, are worried about being overconfident, you have to step out of your comfort zone and literally throw that out the window because nobody else is worried about that. They're worried about trying to get that job. So it's just like, it's crazy out there. But I, I think if we pivot, you mentioned your upbringing. How do you think that impacted your kind of rise and everything you're doing now? You grew up in a single mother household in the Dominican Republic. How did your upbringing, like, did you ever think you'd be where you're at right now? Absolutely no. If you were to ask Stephanie five, 10 years ago, what do you think you're going to be five years from now? She would, she would probably think that she would be somewhere in a small city in DR, Dominican Republic, finding or trying to find a job. I mean, the job market in my country is really bad. It's really bad in the sense of like getting a job is hard. So it is here in the U.S., but it's just even like harder there, right? I mean, so if you were to ask me that I would be in this country and doing everything that I'm doing, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even believe that was possible. And so growing up in a single mother household taught me a lot of resilience. And I always talk about this whenever I go, and it's the fact that my mom would always work so many different jobs to try to bring the, the the food to the house and trying to erase us as people who were disciplined, people who would go after our goals. And I remember making a post on LinkedIn about this, actually. And my mom used to say, you're a big dreamer. And I used to say, mom, I'm, I'm not a big dreamer. I just like, I, I look at the big picture. I want to be someone 
who people remember. And that's why I love this topic so much, how to be memorable, because I wanted to be memorable in people's lives in a way that I could help them get a job. And so I am a big dreamer. When I started Maxo, it was a big dream. When I, you know, was was interviewing for companies, it was it, it was big dreams. I mean, I have no background in tech and I broke into tech from zero background, from someone who faced a lot of rejections, from someone who just learned English, by the way, three years ago. And so all of that putting wow. together made me like the worst candidate you could think of to get a job. Yeah. Like you're adding all of that and it's just like, I'm literally giving you the formula for rejection, the formula for like the worst candidate, like all of this obstacles building up, right? And then I, I was like, well, if I have all of these disadvantages, I might as well just do something to become the best candidate, right? And that's kind of how I use all of those, you know, obstacles to help me build up that best candidate profile. And it's, it's been, it's been quite a ride. It's been quite a ride. I can tell you that, but I can definitely tell you that having the opportunity to live in another country, being yeah. in a single mother household really helped me and, and build me into the person I am today. That's great. Thanks for sharing. So Steph, obviously your story is very memorable, right? Do you insert that into your interview process? Like, do you put that in like a resume or do you make sure that you communicate that during the interview process? So I've never really put that on my resume, but I always talk about my background on my interviews. So when people ask me, tell me about yourself. I said, I'm a proud Latina. I'm mm -hmm. a first gen. I come from the Dominican Republic and I came to the U.S. five years ago. And I speak about sometimes when people ask me, like, what is your biggest accomplishment? I talk about learning English in two years. And the reason why was because, I mean, everything else that came after that, it's because of that, right? I wouldn't be able to be communicating with any of you today if I wouldn't have learned English. That's the first thing, right? And mm -hmm. so I feel like being the owner of your story, it's literally basic one-on-one -on -one of interviewing, right? So I feel like you need to tell your story. You need to, and you need to feel proud of it. You need to feel that identity that you have. It's not a liability. So a lot of the times we feel like that story that we have, that background story, it's kind of going to hurt us on the interview. A lot of job seekers actually have been telling me recently, like, do you think I should really mention where I come from or my background or my failures? People are going to think that I am I'm not good enough or I'm not good for this job. I say, if you see your background story as your liability instead of your assets, then that's going to be a problem. Now, if you tell Absolutely. your story as kind of, yeah, and I always like to say like, I'm an accountant. So assets and liabilities are kind of my theme. So I say, if your story is your asset, then use it for what it is. And so if you own that as the foundation to build the best candidate, the person you are right now, use that for what it is and, and don't make it sound like, and there's some, and, and I'm sure Serge can tell you there's some words that makes stories sound like it's it was a problem, right? Although I grew mm -hmm. up in this um, environment, although I come from this background or things like that, when you, when you speak with that language, it's kind of making it seem like that was a problem, but it's really yeah. not a problem. It's just a part of your identity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, words are powerful. I think what I'm hearing from you is like connection, being authentic. For all the listeners out there, like Stephanie's spot on, like that's, this is how you make a memorable interview. This is how these people that are interviewed are going to remember you from like Bob, Susie, and Sarah. Yeah. And th that story is what's going to always stand out. And we all have a story, right? And I was going through this exercise a while back and 
I was like, well, I, I mean, I don't feel like I'm that exciting. What's my story? And then I thought long and hard about how I got into the profession that I'm at. And I was like, wow, like I do have a story. And a lot of times it just takes us to sit down and really think about our intentions, the reasons behind why we do what we do, the good it can bring. And your story just kind of comes to you. And uh, maybe it was there all along, but you have to have that self-reflection to really find it. And I think you've done a great job of that. And obviously, I mean, that's why you stand out. That's why you kill it in the interviews is because you're very successful at putting that story across. And then obviously you have the skill sets to back it up. And so I would say fantastic. I think that's a great tidbit for all of our listeners. Now, some listeners feel like they're not qualified, maybe for a certain position. They feel like, hey, well, I didn't go to the Harvard. I didn't go to MIT, all these great schools that my competition is going against. What can they do to offset that? and kind of overcome those being the underdog. I would tell you an example that recently happened to me and I was the hiring manager. So I was hiring for marketing interns and a marketing lead for my company. And we were interviewing back and forth, right? And we had a, a tons of candidates and there was one candidate, she's the current marketing lead right now for, for my company. And the reason why she stood out was because, was not because of her credentials, was not because of what school she goes to. It was because she went on our website and she did a whole analysis of what things she would do in the first 30 days if she were given the position. That was the first green light for me. As soon as I saw that, I was like, hold on, there's something here, right? The second thing is like, she went to one of our events and she, ever since then, she's been looking at our social media, at things that we do and things that we could improve. So she put together a list of things that she could work on the first 90 days to make a, a transition from where we were to, to where we, we wanted to go. And we saw her passion as she was explaining that. And we saw the passion that she could bring to the team and she got hired. She was actually the person that we hired as our current marketing lead. And the reason why I wanted to give this example, it's because I don't come from a top business school. I come from a non-target school. None of the companies, including big tech, would go to my school to hire at all. I had to do a lot of things to stand out. And so if I were to tell a candidate, what can you do to stand out? Number one is right now we're living in a virtual world. Right now, everything is different. So what I would do if I were a job seeker right now is the following. Start with your resume. So look at, let's say, top five, 10 companies you want to work for. And then start seeing what are some things that they're working on right now or what are some things that they're planning to work in the future and how you, from your background and whatever role you want to go into, how can you add value to that? Now, how can you demonstrate that? Well, it depends on the role you're going into, but I can tell you from, like, say, a marketing role, put together a deck, right? Have an online portfolio. Show them what you bring to the table and add that to your resume, right? Let's say software mm -hmm. engineering, have your GitHub attached to your resume, right? The other thing as well is, like, when you're interviewing, I always tell people, talk about exactly why you're doing going for that company and then talk about the three things that you would do if you were given the role. So I, I adopted the mindset of an employee, 
So what does that mean, right? Well, if you think about like from an employee perspective, how can you change the game for the company as soon as you join the company? And any underdog, right, that comes from a non-traditional background, if you're listening to this right now, tell you're good enough. So let's, let me put that out there. Let that let me make that clear. You're good enough. There are a lot of examples out there. And I, I, I would include myself on that example that have non-traditional backgrounds that didn't have anyone to refer them into the companies and we made it into the companies. And the reason why we made it was one, because we believe we could do it. And two, because we show the companies the value that we could add to the company. And so I gave you the example of what the marketing lead did for my company to get hired in my company. And I tell you what I did, right, to get into many different roles. So if you're right now thinking that because you don't have advantages, because you don't go to a, to a targeted school, then use your disadvantages to be your advantages, right? Join other underdogs that are in the same position as you do mock interviews with them, right? Connect with a lot of content creators on LinkedIn. Before, three years ago, four years ago, when I was in my job search, content creation was not a thing on LinkedIn. At least of how it is now, it's not even close, right? And so there's literally hiring managers on LinkedIn telling you what you need to do, what they want to see on your resume, on your interview. So consume the content, take the action, apply it to your job search strategy and go apply for the role. Literally, that's it. That's the first step. It may sound like too easy, but it could have literally been not more easier than how it is right now. It's yeah. so much information accessible. So it's a matter of like taking action from it. Yeah. And going back to like action, I mean, you're talking about that new hire you brought on. At the end of the day, when people do interviews, it's just words, right? Just words, just talking. She actually took an extra step and did something actionable. She created a plan. I mean, gosh, and how powerful is that, right? If you're the hiring uh, manager and you're looking for the, all these people are just giving you words and some of it's true some of it's crap probably but you get a candidate that actually took some time and effort to put forth a plan it's like whoa this is action right here they just took immediate action they don't have the role i love that piece of advice and i love you sharing uh all that with our listeners because i think that's very powerful if people want to learn more about max up and see what you guys do how can they do that they can go on LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok, SmackSub. Our website is www.dmaxup.com. And they can find me, Stephanie Nuesi, in any social media, really. I have my name everywhere, literally. So, yeah, looking forward to connecting with everyone. What are the top candidates that you guys help out? And, like, what are the type of uh, things that you guys help people do? Yeah. So recently we actually got someone uh, getting to Google. Uh, she's now a recruiting coordinator there. And so what we do is that we offer different types of programs. So the reason what we did was called GYSI. We hosted about 50 students from all over the world and about 28 of them actually got offers. So big tech, accounting, finance, and we're talking about summer internships, right? So we did the program in March. And they got offers for that summer, starting in May. And so we offer different programs. We do career coaching, one-on-one, mock interviews, you name it. But the real thing that I love about MaxUp is the community. We have a community of over 20,000 people. And it's just crazy to see the growth from like two years ago to now. And I'm just hoping that we continue to grow and hopefully your audience finds something valuable as yeah, well. 100%. 
Steph, I know we're about to wrap, but something we didn't touch on was you just got an internship at Google. So congrats on that. I would love just to hear quickly about like the process. I know a lot of people think it's just some magical. I had my experience at Google and it was amazing, but would love just to hear your thoughts on that interview process really quick. If you wouldn't mind sharing like kind of the highs and the lows, what do you think was the really game changer for you to really stand out and get that internship? Because that's a very sought after internship. So yeah, I'd love just to hear that quickly. Yeah. And fun fact, I'm actually, I got the full-time offer after the internship. So I'll be moving to SF if anyone's from Yeah, I would love to connect. But I would say one of the things that really helped me in my process was how could I help within the role that I wanted to apply for the company? So I have a background in finance and accounting. And so there's not a lot of us within finance and accounting that go to like big tech. There's more tech roles than like any other type of non-technical roles. And so competition was higher. And so for that reason, I needed to find a way to stand out. I remember the application was going to open in September of 2020. I started doing mock interviews with professionals in March of 2020. There was a six to seven month difference before I even actually applied for the role. So before I even apply, I was already doing mock interviews. That was the first thing. The second thing is that I got my resume review a whole year in advance. So got it review. I know it, it sounds a little crazy, but it- you, you paid someone to do it? You had someone review it? No. So actually I got like some friends to review it. Oh, I got it. Yeah. So, so at that time I got some friends to review it. And then my mentor who actually worked at Google for four years helped me build up my resume by the time. But what really stood out for me, I think at least is the interview. I think like when I walk into the interview, I really let them see like, Hey, I will really want to work here besides my dream company. It's because of the culture. It's because of the people. And here's what I bring to the table, right? And I have tons of projects that I've done from finance, strategy, consulting, you name it. And I put all of that in the table, literally all of that in the table. And here's how I could help the company. And coming from a non-traditional background, especially in, in finance and accounting, to tech, you have to know the company, whether that's Google, Facebook, Microsoft, any company, like what products do they offer? How could you as an employee help them with their products and even with new products that they could launch in the future? And, and so if you think about it that way, and, and I adapted that employee mindset that I, I was talking about um, earlier, yeah. I said, if I were to have the three-month internship, here's how, or here's what I would want to achieve so that someone else could take upon my work and continue building upon that. And so I feel like that was kind of part of what made it successful. And that I always tell people, like, if you adopt that mindset of being an employee already without being an employee and doing things ahead of time, right? Like if you get an interview, you have like probably a week to prepare, right? I prepared six months in advance. So that's what I would say. Yeah, I love it. I think that's great for the listeners. Mic drop. Thank you. Yeah. Steph, thank you so much. And you know what? We're going to always remember you because you're memorable. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Oh, man, it's been a blast. And thank you for all you're doing. I know you're helping a lot of people. So shout out to you. And remember, listeners, be memorable. Find your story, right? We all have one. It's your job to articulate it. And that's what's going to open doors for you. So I think she said it perfectly. You've been listening to the Free Retiree Show. So long for now.
Securities offered through Securities America Incorporated. Member FINRA, www.finra.org. SIPC, www.sipc.org. A separate entity. Lee Michael Murphy is licensed for the California Department of Insurance, license 0H18660. Lee Michael Murphy is a investment advisor representative with Securities America Advisors, a registered investment advisor. The Free Retiree, Securities America Advisors, and Securities America Incorporated are separate entities. Career Advisor Sergio Patterson, Attorney Matt McElroy are not affiliated with Securities America Advisors or Securities America Incorporated. Securities America Advisors, Securities America Incorporated, and its representatives do not provide tax or legal advice. Therefore, it's important to coordinate with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. The content heard in this podcast is not intended to be tax, investment, or legal advice and is intended as general guidance only. You should contact your own tax advisor, financial advisor, or attorney to answer questions about your specific situation or needs before acting upon this information. Third-party source information or comments are not verified, may not be accurate, and are not necessarily representative of all client or audience experience. A portion of this event was paid by a third party. The opinions of career advisor Sergio Patterson do not reflect the opinions of LinkedIn Incorporated or Microsoft Corporation. The opinions of attorney Matt McElroy do not reflect the opinions of Castaneda and company.